0: Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. You had a little reprieve last week through Connie and Janet and Liz. You had a a little easier word. It was just as serious. It was just as uh, weighted with importance, but maybe not as heavy-handed as the prophets. But the reprieve is over, friends. We are back, and we have worked through Elijah, Elisha, Amos, and Hosea. Today, we come to Isaiah. Isaiah. You may know Isaiah. Isaiah is pretty well known, one of the, one of the big prophets, not the minor prophets, but the major prophets. Not that one was any more important than the other, but Isaiah has a lot of chapters, several books, in fact, contained in this one book we call Isaiah. And so it starts off with telling us the word of the Lord comes through Isaiah. Now, does anyone know what the word Isaiah means? Oh, see, you've, you've missed something really crucial. Isaiah means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. Or actually, literally, uh, Yahweh saves. But We say the Lord saves. So it's important to know this. Right from the get-go, we have good news. And then the heavy-handedness comes and we kind of dive into the darkness a bit in Isaiah. But it starts with a word of good news just in the name. And that's important because God isn't speaking heavy words to be mean. God doesn't scald us with no purpose. But to explain the current circumstances of Judah, of Israel, utterly defeated by Assyria, an enemy speaking through a lens of hope and restoration. And so when the book of Isaiah was read in subsequent generations following the Babylonian exile, the words weren't given to add injury, to, or insult to injury rather, but to extend an invitation. In the midst of the storm, here's an opportunity for renewal, and we need that. God is always seeking reconciliation with us and us to have reconciliation with one another. This is good news, amen? Because we need reconciliation today, don't we? We see the great need for right relationship between God and humanity and humanity and humanity, and we have drawn many lines in the sand. Now, I know a popular notion of response to the questions of, do we need reconciliation? I know we want a point. Yes, we do, and they... They need to do some work, right? It's their fault. They need to be like us. If only they would act differently. This was a common response on Isaiah's day too. We follow a a lengthy tradition of humanity when we get into the finger pointing. This book has a message in the title itself. The Lord saves and then opens with a list of kings. The message heard here outlasted many kings. And there's some good news in that. The word of God persists. The words of Isaiah persist today and can speak to us today. Are you ready? Are you sure? It's a prophet. We have conditions, right? Sure, as long as as long as long they are listening, right? Then read it, Pastor. Read it, Mark. But before we hear the words, I want to prepare the stage a little bit. The opening lines of the meat of today's passage, because we start with verse 1 and then we skip to verses 10 through 20. So we have this opening introduction, and we get to the meat, and it lifts up um, Sodom and Gomorrah, and I want to speak on that because Sodom and Gomorrah are often misused in their application today. I wanted to clear up the misuse so that the purpose is for the meat of this passage not to get sidetracked by the mentioning of these cities. The offense of Sodom and Gomorrah was an utter disconnect from their practice of worship and praise, from their lived life of hospitality, particularly towards strangers. And we see that played out multiple times as the retelling of this story is lifted up. Jeremiah, Amos, Zephaniah, Matthew, even Second Peter lifts it up to point out the inhospitable behavior. The Bible likes to point blame at Sodom and Gomorrah because there were vulnerable people in their midst, particularly in their culture, that was people that weren't citizens of that town. And you were supposed to, it's very serious. if Somebody comes in who's not of the town, you are to welcome them in and prepare a place for them. And we see many of the biblical heroes do this, but this was a particular group of cities that did not do this. And in fact, they did far worse than just ignore them. So every time they're mentioned, just remember it's in this frame, And it's pulling these other cities into the same category. You're not doing your part. And it's gotten offensive to God. So in one way or another, cities of Judah or Israel, they are disconnected from their words of worship to how they live. But they know how to talk the talk when they want to be good. We can identify, yes. We put on our Sunday best and that isn't just clothes. We come in with a smile. We don't talk about certain things in here, right? We want to keep the mood good. We don't say what we really think to the person across the way as we nod and say, Peace be with you, right? Happens sometimes. But their actions betray because they don't actually do good. That's what we come to in this. They're being good, they're not doing good. So, with that proper context in mind, let's turn to Isaiah 1.
1: The vision about Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, Amos's son, saw in the days of Judah's kings Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Hear the Lord's word, you leaders of Sodom. Listen to our God's teaching, people of Gomorrah. What should I think about all your sacrifices, says the Lord? I'm fed up with entirely burned offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I don't want the blood of bulls, lambs, and goats. When you come to appear before me, who asks this from you, this trampling of my temple's courts? Stop bringing worthless offerings. Your incense repulses me. New moon, Sabbath, and the calling of an assembly, I can't stand wickedness with celebration. I hate your new moons and your festivals. They've become a burden that I'm tired of bearing. When you extend your hands, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even when you pray for a long time, I won't listen. Your hands are stained with blood. Wash, be clean, remove your ugly deeds from my sight. Put an end to such evil, learn to do good, seek justice. Help the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Come now and let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. If they are red as crimson, they will become like wool. If you agree and obey, you will eat the best food of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword." The Lord has said this, the word of God in scripture, the word of God among us, the word of God within us. Thanks be to God.
0: I was reminded of this in mind. When I was a child, I sat near the front row almost every Sunday. Well, the Sundays my dad was liturgist, not because he expected me to, but because I knew how he talked in the barn. And I was just sure one day it was gonna slip out. I was gonna have a front row seat when that happened. Because in my mind, I thought, I'm gonna be there. And uh, it's a little mixed up idea as a kid, but recognizing the tension between what you present, you know, versus what's really there sometimes. Isaiah's message is simple. Walk the walk, don't just talk the talk, or practice what you preach. But the way he phrases it is, practice what you praise. Practice what you praise. The beauty of Sunday mornings is we have this beautiful place to gather, and it is gorgeous. Almost 100 years old. We gather together with beautiful people, sisters and brothers in Christ, children of God, fellow members of the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are all siblings of Jesus Christ as well. It's a good thing. It's good to be here, right? Amen? We can come and focus our hearts and our beings upon the goodness of God to offer our gratitude and our calling. Focus on that, our calling to be disciples of Jesus Christ for our mission, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The danger of Sunday morning is that we begin to designate this time for those kinds of things, as if when we leave, we're in a different space. And that happens. It happens from time to time. We come here, and it's a little easier to smile. It's easier to offer hugs and handshakes and taking time to truly ask, "How is your life? Or the the Jewish way to ask was, do you have shalom? Shalom isn't just, are you happy? Shalom can't be answered with, I'm good. Shalom can't be answered that way. Shalom is, how are you? How's your family? How's your neighbor? How's your job? How's your home? How are the hobbies in your life? Are you having fruitful days in this season? Shalom is asking about the whole picture. If you're having trouble with a relative, how are things going with that relative? And they wanna know, because any amount of conflict or tension affects everything. And here we get a little, maybe it's a little more comfortable to to push and ask these kinds of questions, right? I hope so. But we live into this life of love and this service and this space with this people, but this is only one hour out of 168 through the whole week. We embrace love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity, faithful and goodness and self-control in this gathering. But do we extend it the other 99.4% of the week? We think about our thoughts in the pew but do we think about them away from the pew? We control our tongues in the sanctuary, and my dad, he had a perfect record. But then we tend to unbridle them elsewhere, around certain groups of people, friends, family, those who think like us. We can really say what we want to say. We proclaim peace and hope and love here, and then we harbor and we nurture harsh pain, anger, condemnation. We read and we study our scripture and we uphold it with high regard at the church, but then we weaponize it and we hurt each other away from this space. It's all true. We all do this. It's not just me, right? God speaks through Isaiah to tell the people that their acts of worship are empty. And He said, God says, Who asked for this kind of worship from you? It wasn't me. And after the heavy list of offenses, the instruction and invitation comes. Wash, be clean. It's a beautiful invitation to let the living life come back into us and our worship. Through Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness and the reign of God is within our grasp right here and now. Will we take it? Will we take it with some careful consideration and intention of all that it means, all that it requires of us? The invitation is not to take a break from evil one hour a week or even one morning. Isaiah says, put an end to such evil, learn to do good. Those things go hand in hand. We kind of say it in our Wesley way do no harm, do good. The good that God seeks is then listed. And worth reading again. Seek justice. And how do you define this? According to the scripture, help the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. The oppressed, orphaned, and the widow are the three most vulnerable people in the society of Judah and Israel. They are crushed by the brokenness of a system which worked for most people. Because the system means if you have a native-born husband, or son, or father alive in your life, then you have agency. You can function. You have a name, a family name to draw from. But without a native-born husband, son, or father, you don't have much. So the families of Israel were to extend and reach their hand out to those who don't have a father, son, or husband, to take care of them in the same way they would their family offering them a name, in a way. The way they lived, the way they thought, the way they engaged with the vulnerable, matters to God. In fact, it matters more than worship, the passage says. Worship without doing made the worship meaningless and even offensive to God. That's the heavy part, but there's hope. Wash and be clean. We're not too late. We're not beyond the realm of hope. Where there had been blood upon their hands that they lifted up in praise, they can be washed clean. Where they had crimson upon their head and clothes, they would be made clean. If you agree and obey. Agree and obey. Not a, well, I'll do it. To be good. Agree and obey. If you do, the passage says, you will eat the best food of the land. But if you refuse, if you rebel, you will be devoured. Such a practical warning. Think about our day. If the most vulnerable in our society were taken care of, would there be any conflict? If we ignore those who are most vulnerable and they're hungry, and they're desperate. The only way they can eventually speak, according to Dr. Martin Luther King, the language of the oppressed is riot, to be heard. I wonder how much violence we'd have if the most vulnerable were taken care of. One way someone said it is, if every child had love, if all children were wanted, How different would our society be? Desperation drives us all to do things we wouldn't normally do. And it drives entire masses of people into terrible situations and we all feel the effects. If we refuse and rebel to look after the vulnerable, we will all be devoured. Yeah. Yeah, we're feeling that, aren't we? So my people, if we want peace, we must actively seek to make it. Shalom. Not just feeling good, but more. How are things really going in every area of your life? How can we serve you? Doing good so that we may enjoy the best this life has to offer along with everybody else. Because it's not the best if it's not with everyone else. So now church, the invitation is extended in verse 18. I love this, to settle this. Let's settle this, God says, or in another translation, let's argue this out a bit. You ever entered into argument with God? The invitation's there. Our God is not content to just leave us in the filth, as the scripture says, of what we've come to make and know as home. God is not asking us to blindly follow without thinking it through. We can plead our case and engage in a holy argument with God. You ever think of God that way? So we argue with God what does it look like to do good? We have to argue that out so that we can then agree, so that we can then obey. We can't snap our fingers and change the world. My goodness, we'd all start snapping. We'd never stop if we could. Can't snap our fingers and bring peace to our communities, to our families, to our homes. But we can wash and be cleaned nonetheless. We can do good in the way that we live our lives every day. We can do this. You can do this. I can do this. It's not going to change the world, but it can start to change my world. It can start to affect the people around me. It can bring some good. We can make sure that our hallelujahs of the sanctuary are reflected in our living, in the world, in the way of peace. We can refuse to play the games of our society that drive despair and division. We can refuse to gossip and point the fingers of blame. We like to be self righteous, but we know that's not good. We can stop focusing on what we're trying to protect concerning our comforts and our routine, and we can trust in God to give us what we need for the day. That the Lord's Prayer may actually be something we live rather than just say it every week. I'd do it too. In fact, if I'm honest, sometimes I'm up here thinking about what's next in the service, and I've said it so many times, I can just continue to say it while I'm thinking. Anyone else ever get to that point? When's the last time we just stopped and considered the lines? We could stop giving other people power to make us angry. We give that power. No one has the ability to make you angry unless you give them that power and then we get mad that they made us mad. Isn't that funny? We could stop letting money-making entities sway our hearts and minds and define who we should be, what we should want, what isn't good enough, what perfectly good things we should throw away so we can get the next. We can stop letting all material things draw our eye. We can use the power we have in society. We have a great amount of power in this country to advance the care for the vulnerable, whatever that looks like, however you argue that out and define it with God. And I can guarantee you, we're not going to agree on that. And That's okay. You don't need to agree with me. You need to agree with God. And as do I. We can let our confession that we're about to give become a daily routine, not just Sundays. We can seek to do good among our neighbors in the smallest and in the biggest ways that present themselves to us. And we can do it the other six days of the week, too. We can be devoted to prayer, precisely not to ask for what we want, and there's nothing wrong with that, but precisely to keep our ears and eyes open to what God wants, that we don't miss a single opportunity to do good. Living in this way will bring us into closer relationship with God, and it will bring us into closer relationship with one another and to our world. We will become active peacemakers Or as Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, we'll be children of God when we make peace. Have we fallen short? You can nod or shake. Have we fallen short? Have we allowed our hearts to wander? Have we let too many things steer our minds and our wills toward empty living? We're going to have a chance to confess in a moment. It's good. Because in spite of all these things, we lift up that we have our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have the very source of forgiveness who pursues us. Jesus Christ washes us clean that we may agree and obey. And as Isaiah says, that's all we need, agree and obey. Maybe you need to spend some time arguing things out and settling it. Do it. You don't have to agree and obey right now, but get to it. Pick a fight with God, that kind of fight's a good fight. God is always waiting to struggle with you. That's what Israel means. Because our God loves you enough to give you agency and voice to say something for yourself because you are vulnerable too. Next to God, you are very vulnerable. But we never fear that vulnerability because we have a God who gives us agency and voice. What you have to say matters. And what everyone else has to say matters. So let us begin this wonderful, meaningful, and hard work of learning what it is for us, you and I, as individuals, as a community, to do good. If we agree and obey, the best life has to offer will come. And if we are taking care of the vulnerable, it will come to them too. Amen? After all, the Lord has said this. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.